The presented content does not provide or constitute medical, financial, or legal advice. The content is for information purposes only. Viewing or listening to the content does not constitute a physician-patient, dentist-patient, fiduciary-client, or attorney-client relationship. Welcome to Knowledgeable Aging. I'm your host, Jason Kotar. Joining us today to talk about life insurance, it's more than a death benefit, is Matthew Erickson. Matthew is a financial advisor with a comprehensive financial planning practice under the firm Northwestern Mutual Park Avenue in New York City. His practice focuses on individuals and families with comprehensive planning across people's short-term, mid-term, and long-term goals and working together to bridge across these over time. He dedicates his practice to promoting financial literacy and economic empowerment and is skilled in helping clients formulate strategies around accumulating, preserving, and eventually distributing their savings and wealth over time and teaches people how to do it in an effective and particularly tax-efficient way. How are you doing today, Matthew? I'm great. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm doing really good. Thank you for joining me. I know we uh, we were talking for a while there. I'm glad we could get something on the book. So I'm excited about our conversation. But before we get started, Matthew, for those that are joining us for the live webinar, you should see a control panel on your right-hand side. If you have any questions, type your questions in. Time permitting, we will do everything in our power to get your questions answered. So Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you. Amazing. Well, for everybody, it's really great to be a, a part of this and, and be able to talk about some of the nuances of things like life insurance. Uh, I am a comprehensive planner, as Jason was saying. And so a lot of times uh, this gets missed a little bit when we talk about risk management, but also how it can be used as uh, multiple tools within someone's actual financial plan. And so uh, today we're going to go through a few different ideas when it comes to life insurance, different options and, and ways to begin to formulate what would be best for you. Uh, so I'm gonna jump over and start with. So uh, I always ask the question with this and to be asking yourself, how many of the people that are seeing this, watching this and uh, taking part in this, how many do have life insurance? Asking yourself, is this something that I've thought about? Is this something that I've, I've taken uh, the opportunity to put into place? Um, and if so, where is it coming from and how do I know how much I should have, right? And so uh, the idea of, okay, well, what is life insurance for? And so the thing that mostly comes to people's mind is to protect your family. So life insurance 100% creates this ability with risk management to protect your family if something were, God forbid, to happen that you were um, uh, uh, passed away and there was a need for them to have uh, the funds to replace a few things. Uh, I think most people think about debt, but the thing that most people don't uh, think about is the ability to earn an income over time. And so if we think about, well, how much income am I going to grow and, and earn over a, a specific time period, we are able to see that that's a much higher multiplier than, say, what you might get specifically from work, which might be one to two times your salary. And so, uh, and so talking through what this is needed most for in your own lives. And so replacing uncertainty with guarantees that there is a legacy. Um, but it is also more than just the death benefit. And so, uh, so types of life insurance, we're going to go over that, how life insurance can help you achieve financial security, and how to know which type of life insurance is best for you. And so not all life insurance is created equal. And uh, we want to make sure that we're beginning to kind of formulate what's going to be best for us. Okay, so let's get started. 
So there are two types of life insurance. The basic types of the umbrellas that they fall under are term life insurance and also permanent life insurance. And a type of permanent life insurance is shown here, which is called whole life. So let's start with this idea. So this idea of term versus permanent, term life insurance is the overall just a coverage for a specific period of time, which is what the word term refers to. So a term of time, a term of age, or a term of employment. And so when we think about the life insurance we have through work, for instance, that's there while we are employees of said company. When we leave that company, it doesn't come with us. It's not our own private policy. We're a certificate holder on the ownership by the company. Um, coverage in terms of a term of time, you might see term life insurance policies that are good for 10 years or 20 years, or the term of age, which um, when I work with term, I, I do uh, most often uh, to the age of 80. Uh, and so when you look at that, the thing to be keeping in mind is that this is covering you during this time period, but when that period is over, it no longer is in force. And so at 81 years old, for instance, it's no longer in force. You had it while you um, needed this umbrella, but uh, hopefully you didn't need to use it. Uh, when we talk about it, it's kind of like renting an apartment we compare it to. And so in the same way, when you rent an apartment, it's keeping a roof over your head. And I always joke around that when you leave the apartment, you don't like grab the refrigerator and take it with you. There's no ownership of this. That's really there uh, to, to be keeping a roof and walls around you. Um, the good thing is there's always a trade-off in finance, always risk, reward, etc. So for term, that idea of there being um, some of these uh, definitive ends to things um, is offset by the fact that it tends to be less costly than permanent life insurance. So you can get quite a bit of death benefit for a lower cost per month uh, than you would say for uh, something like a permanent policy. Now, whole life, which is the type we'll talk about, which is the type of permanent. So this we compare to kind of like owning a home, right? And so when you own a home in the same way as you're you know, building your ownership of the home, you're building equity inside of it, there's ways to use life insurance to build equity as well, so that it's also becoming something that you can use while you're living. It also, like the name sounds, permanent means that it is going to be left to somebody or some organization or some kind of hybrid of both of those things. So one day, that's going to happen. Unfortunately, these aren't great topics to talk about, but none of us are immortal. And so uh, taking kind of the, um, the weight of having to talk about death um, out of the, the conversation and be really able to just say, okay, this is a part of life. I just want to make sure that when I'm planning these, the, the way I want my life to, to be taken care of and those around me um, really fits in with this idea. And, you know, we build a lot of other things around it. Like I said, I'm a comprehensive financial advisor. And so, you know, this sits into one pocket and that is risk management. But we also need to then talk about growth and investing. And we have to talk about retirement planning and long-term care planning, um, debt reduction strategies etc and so this is just one of the the bricks that we're putting into the into the overall structure and so um, coverage for life and the trade-off is there are uh, higher premiums so permanent slash whole life is um, more costly than term but the trade-off being that you own it it's building cash inside of it there's ways to use it as a tax sheltered place to build long-term saving strategies and also a way to if something were to happen put a rider on it that your whole life can flip 
and actually be used for long-term care should it come up. And so that means if you should ever need a nurse coming to your home or assisted living facility, et cetera, those tend to be costly. And so if there is a need, you can flip your insurance and use it for that when there's something on it called an accelerated care benefit. And so a lot of different, uh, I call it like the Swiss army knife of the, of the life insurance bits. And so uh, with that, it's uh it's something to to consider when looking at budget and everything really should stem from budget now living benefits as we talked about case okay, say there's to cover the cost of an unexpected emergency or using this cash value that grows in whole life to pay for a child's education or supplement your retirement which one of the things i always talk about with people when we look at retirement remembering that our retirement is in the market if we have our 401ks or traditional ira or roth ira etc etc those are participating in the market which means they're going to gain money from time to time but they're also going to lose money from time to time when we take money out of those uh different accounts we want to make sure that they're at the highest amount of value so that we don't have to cash in more of it because of that that means when the market recovers, which it will, um, we don't have them there anymore to recover with it. And it really does hit uh, your retirement in a kind of exponential way. So what you do is you create systems where there's stable um, money in places that only increase, for instance, whole life is building with dividends inside of it. Um, you pull from there for that year, let your retirement account recover, rebalance, and then you continue on. It's an interesting way of thinking about life insurance, right? Like, for most of us, this, even myself, before I went into finance, this was not something I knew about. And so av after learning all this and doing all my credentialing and everything, I see this, I'm like, wow, that's that's amazing. I do wish more people would know about it. Other things, making a down payment for a home, fund a new existing business, all of these things become this bucket of tax sheltered cash that's building for you. Um, and so, uh some things to be thinking about if these if you qualify or, or any of these thoughts or or goals kind of pop into your head so the top reasons uh that most people as we look at okay financial security first being covering burial financial expenses replace the wages and lost income which remember if we take a look at our income and let's say you know a 30 year old is going to uh be retiring at 65 multiply our income times 30, but then also factor in inflation and, and uh, the increase of it. Inflation on average tends to be 3% on average. I know that's not what it is now, but it, it does on average end up being 3%. Um, and then transferring wealth, leaving an inheritance, generational wealth, paying off debts like mortgages, um, being able to supplement people's retirements, uh, home expenses, estate taxes. As I said, this is a tax sheltered vehicle. And so your life insurance exists outside of probate. And so when it comes to taxes, when estate taxes come into place, a lot of people do use their life insurance that's been paid out to pay for its estate taxes. Um, and so next bit. <clears throat> So here's just an example. So if we were to take, okay, a 25-year-old male uh, doing a $100,000 whole life insurance policy, the annual premium of that being uh, $1,616, let's say, uh, and the dividend used to increase the policy value, which means that every year, the money that you're using to pay into your whole life is going into the general account of whatever institution it's connected to. 
I work with Northwestern Mutual um, for a, a number of reasons, one of which is they're ranked number one in most of these things, particularly whole life. They're really known pretty well for that. So what's happening is as we're putting, and you and me and everybody else are putting our premiums into our whole life policies, they are going into the dividend growth that is happening in the general account of Northwestern Mutual. And each year there's a dividend um, that is declared and comes back to us into our policies as cash value. And so when we think about over from 1977 to 2017, the 100,000 that was started now has 315,000 of cash in it and over a half a million dollars of death benefit because that cash is making the policy more valuable. So when we look at financial security planning, at the end of the day, we think of this, you're identifying your goals, you personalize the plan. This is what I do with my clients. You implement the plan, then you review, and then you do again. When I work with people, it's over the longer term. And so we're always adapting and taking a look at, okay, what's changing from year to year? You know, we all have priorities that shift and things ebb and flow in financial planning. So it is really important to keep things pretty individualized per person. So if you do work with somebody, and I do recommend reaching out to me, I'm going to have a slide with all my information at the end. Um, and we can chat more about things in specific because financial planning should be very individualized. And that's one of the things I love most about it. Um, so risk management protects these goals, helps uh, put a, uh, a plan in place that also is taking into account things that might uh, become more of a focus if something were to happen. And if you can build off of that, it means that you're not having to, to dip into other places in the plan that you've spent so long and such uh, energy building because if we start pulling from that, it's like a, it's like a tower of Jenga, right? We start pulling money from places because we don't have things uh, protected and the whole thing starts to fall apart. <laughs> Wealth accumulation, we talked about the idea of cash value uh, growing inside of it with the fact that it is only increasing. It doesn't ever decrease in value. That means we can use it as a complement to anything that we have in the market. Uh, to make sure that whatever dollars are going up and down with gains and losses, we have some place to pull from and be strategic about where our money is coming from when we're cashing things out uh, and not just 100% being beholden to the market. And then preservation and distributions. So beneficiaries will generally receive benefits income tax-free. Like I mentioned, great tool to consider for legacy planning and generational wealth. Uh, the proceeds are liquid, so they can be accessed quickly and easily. Uh, that's something to remember. I always tell people, you know, as a, as a comprehensive financial planner and as I have my clients, I always tell people when something happens, the first people you call, obviously, are your family. Your second is me to make sure you're okay and get things in place so that you don't have to worry about it. And that's, um, I think, a really... Um, important uh, part of someone's life. And so uh, getting liquid money to people as quick as possible and so they have to deal with it. Um, and then again, uh, helping have more retirement security for a spouse that might be left behind. <clears throat> Any questions about the role of life insurance in your financial plan before we, we pop to our next uh, kind of section? As we age, sometimes we do have health issues how does that mm -hmm. impact our life insurance? Yep, that's an excellent question. So life insurance, when you set up your policy and you purchase it and you put everything in place, at that moment, you lock in your health. So that's why it's best to do it as soon as possible for a few reasons. We're the youngest and um, most healthy we'll ever be today, most likely. 
but in locking in that health, it means that no, what, no matter what happens in life or what life throws at us after that um, point, it does not affect your coverage, have it in place already. And if something is a prior uh, health condition that's on your medical records, prior to purchasing your whole life or your life insurance, sorry, uh, purchasing your life insurance, it will rate whether or not you are either approved or declined for it, or if you get a medical rating, which will change certain elements like the premium and, and the cost being higher. And so, uh, so yeah, in doing it and doing it as soon as possible, you lock in your health, uh, which is nice. And also if you are doing the um, whole life type, you have a longer time period for compounding, which not to get too deep into the, the math bits of it all, but the law of compounding interest shows that when you have cash in something over time, it compounds, not a straight line of growth. And so the longer it's in there, the more that's in there, it's an exponential growth. And so, so yeah, that's a really good question. One, one more question for you, Matthew. Mm -hmm. um, talking about, I know with a financial planner, you, you, you want to revisit or, or speak with them oftentimes when you have you know issues going on in life whether death disability etc when it mm -hmm. comes to life insurance do you revisit with your financial planner or whomever is you're working with do you revisit this plan um, every so many years or is it you just do it and then you put it you put it away and you just go on about living your life uh, I think it's a little bit of both. And okay. so, and a lot of that also has to do with the type. And so when it comes to, for instance, the annual reviews, when I work with people on term insurance and whole life, the best is usually to have them together because you, when you lock all that in, also end up having the ability to convert your term life insurance into the whole life gradually over time. And with it being more costly, what you're doing is you're inching up the amount that's going into the policy every year. And that means that, you know, as budget allows, as you start making more income, as the dollar itself um, and inflation means that that, you know, value is of what you're putting into it is maybe less of a cost to us. Having the ability to convert over time means that you can take uh, some time building it, but also not cannonball into the concept. Uh, and the other thing with term life insurance, um, as need changes, you can cancel parts of it or um, after converting, you know, by age 60, we have to figure out if it is a term 80, how much we want to convert over. At that point, we either get rid of what's left of the term, convert in one lump sum over, or let it ride out to 81. And there are some other bits in terms of uh, the time frames, but that's kind of the generalized one. Okay. But yeah, so definitely uh, uh, considered uh, regularly. Very good. One last question. Somebody else just chimed in. So they asked, if you're already in your 50s, is there still a benefit to starting a whole life policy? Uh, yes. So a couple bits with the, so at 50, you still have, uh, even though it feels like you're inching closer and closer to 65, 70, that's still a decent time horizon between going uh, into the policy. The other bit is when we look at that, it would most likely come down to need and budget. Uh, with the whole life uh, being able to be doing these aspects of the cash growing inside of it, you still have uh, 10 years or more, which is a good amount of time. But also if we're looking at it as a way to maybe shore up long-term care planning, uh, being something that can be used to protect uh, the family with there is ever a long-term care event for you where it can then be flipped around and used for that, you're creating um, buckets to, to protect with that too. 
uh, as well as depending on how much the budget is, uh, definitely creating a supplemental um, ability with income or major purchases or uh, bits of uh, even leaving something permanently to somebody that also can handle estate taxes, et cetera. So yeah, I have, I have quite a few um, clients that began at 50. Ideally, do we want to start at 20? That'd be amazing. I wish I could go in a time machine and do that, but it's not um, not necessarily how everybody learned about finance and myself included before I even became one. And so, uh, and so, yeah, there is definitely a, a case for getting it at 52 uh, as well. Very good. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And so this kind of harkens a little bit to that too of like okay well how do we choose what's right for us and so thinking about your goals your budget your needs working with a professional is really helpful with this um and like i mentioned most people do purchase both term and permanent together if possible um and this kind of shows that idea of with this pie chart we're making the permanent over time become more of the overall benefit and equity building inside of it uh, the legacy continues to grow as well. Whereas for instance, term, you set up the death benefit, that is the death benefit. Whole life, you set up the death benefit and because there's this equity growing inside of it, it's also making the policy itself more valuable. So the death benefit is increasing if you don't use that cash for yourself. And so the idea is that we're trying to get as much permanent in place and eventually you know, phase out the term. <clears throat> so. When it comes to uh, my approach and looking at uh, you know financial planning, when I meet with somebody for the first time, which I, again, I'm gonna leave my um, contact information up at the end, I really do encourage people to reach out. I meet with people, we sit down for an hour, we start to start to carve out, okay, what are people's goals through life? And then how do we create a bit of a skeleton? And then I take a lot of information and begin to, to figure out planning and, uh, and ideas that are unique. And so, and also, where are you today? What steps have been taken? What questions you might have? I know there's always the saying, you know, you don't know what you don't know, which is like sometimes like I don't even know what questions to ask, let alone what I don't know. And so um, working with someone that helps kind of dissect that, which is, is what I do. And so I really do encourage people to reach out. And it is something that's just relationship based and a conversation to begin with. Um, and then, you know, developing a plan to reach your goals and whatever the goals are, a lot of times you reverse engineer it. You start with, OK, this is what I want to have. Happen. And if I reverse engineer this across this many days or this many years or this many months, whatever it might be, what do I need to do to accomplish that? And if something comes up where it's like, okay, that's maybe not feasible, you either have to push the goal into a later timeline or put more money towards the goal in the short term. And that really comes down to ability, right? And so, uh, you know key considerations now when you work with someone if it is me or not me these are things to to make sure you keep in mind so look for quality obviously we're not going to go after things that are not quality based but really paying attention to what company uh they are connected to um the financial strength of that company and and the kind of historical um behavior of the company um and make sure you like the financial representative that you like and trust and um and that's kind of a journey right it's it's getting to know someone a little bit but also um for instance like when most people meet with me for the first time it's pretty 
easy to tell. And also I have, I have a fiduciary responsibility as well as, uh, you know, best interest suitability, all of these things. That's a part of my practice. Uh, and so, you know, making sure that you trust, but this is also someone you're going to talk to regularly. And so if they're not somebody that you're enjoy talking to, maybe don't. Is it wise to have the dividend pay for the policy? Uh, with that, in terms of paying for the policy, it is definitely a, uh, a safety net that I consider because that's a really good question at some point later in life. And it doesn't take that long, a few years to get to the point where the cash value of something happens can pay the annual premium. So you, you're, you're not dealing with it. The best idea is to be able to have that coming from someplace else because your compounding will be so much better the longer that you leave it in there. But you can also take it out and do that and put it back. You know, for one year you might use it and then a year comes back, okay, I can slide that back in there um, and get it back to the compounding. It's almost like you're taking a loan out of your own money. Is there ever a time money-wise when you do not need to continue life insurance? Uh, I think it's uh, it's pretty individualized. Like money-wise, if it is something um, that we're looking at the purpose as to why you have life insurance, um, term life insurance is one that with that flexibility of being able to cancel it or remove portions of it so that the death benefit isn't as high and you're paying less on it because it makes more sense because you're closer to retirement. I think term life insurance, yeah, there are some there are some cases to say, okay, getting rid of the term is eventually the goal. Uh, but in terms of whole life with everything that it's doing, I don't uh, I don't recommend ever getting rid of it. And the reason being is couple of things. If you cash out and cancel an entire whole life policy, it becomes a taxable event. If you leave uh, at least 10% of the cash inside the policy, that money is not taxed. And so you want to be careful with tax considerations. Uh, and whole life uh, as part of a financial plan, as, uh, as multiple parts of it, um, is something to keep for life. Do all financial planners or financial advisors work with life insurance or utilize life insurance as part of the the retirement uh you know re retirement package for an individual it, it depends on the type of advisor there are financial advisors that strictly do investing and so if they are your investment advisor and they're only working on your retirements like 401ks and iras and your your portfolio and things like that they're not looking at the holistic part there's nothing wrong with that but there are other uh, pieces of the puzzle to fill in with that um but if they are a comprehensive planner uh, yes, they, they definitely are looking at life insurance uh, for you and also how to be tax efficient and tax effective with where the money is going as well as liquidity. And so, um, so yeah, most uh, that are comprehensive ones do. There are also the kind of divide of financial advisors that only do investing related things. And so they wouldn't look at this in the same way. Yeah, so, so another most question likely. came up. I'm I'm sorry. Say that again, Matthew. Oh, I said most likely, not not exclusively, but that's more often than not what I see. Okay. Another person asked just about that team, right? Uh, um, as far as your financial advisor, um, tax specialist, what does mm -hmm. a team look like for you know for somebody that's you know thinking about a life insurance um, and the value it could bring to them and their family? 
who are the professionals they need to be bringing into into the stead, if you will? Mm -hmm. So uh, as a financial advisor, for me, the categories that I cover as someone's team are risk management, which is life insurance, long-term disability insurance, annuities, which protect your retirement, um, wealth building and management. So investment portfolio management, advisory or brokerage and investment strategies with portfolios, retirement planning. In terms of the retirement planning, creating the accounts, the tax part of it is a CPA, which I'll touch base on that in a second. Um, uh, so anything retirement in the, in the market, et cetera. Uh, Long-term care planning, like we talked about, uh, debt reduction strategies, setting your actual goals. The puzzle that is your financial plan is an advisor. A CPA is what is there for taxes. And so your taxes, like I'm not a tax preparer, a CPA should be handling that. But if the CPA and the financial advisor are in communication with each other, which is good, with there is the ability to say, okay, I'm looking at this person's taxes. I want a different tax uh, benefit for them. Can you help me figure out what would be a good retirement plan for them? And so I would be helping them look at different retirement plans. And the CPA would be talking about how that factors into their yearly taxes. Um, and then when it comes to estate lawyers, there's another person on the team. If you are going to leave an estate um, and you start to, like you said, yeah, build out your, your team. Um, yeah. CPAs and financial advisors are usually the first. Okay. Yeah. Somebody was just asking about the importance of an estate attorney in this team. I know you touched on it, but mm -hmm. is there any more you can add to the value of, of an attorney in this, within this team? Definitely. And so with an estate attorney, when you start bringing that in, you know, as we go through life, our financial standing begins to get maybe more and more complex, maybe more and more a part of this legacy and something much bigger than just their own life. And so when the estate starts to come up, you want to make sure that you're doing that in the most effective and efficient way. And so the estate lawyer is able to take a look at the estate that's been, you know, created and founded and also starting with an estate lawyer early too is really good um, to, to kind of stay in tandem about what's happening there as well. Um, taxes come up and, and such and probate and all of those things become an extra part of the conversation and are there to help navigate that for the people you care about or the organization you care about when the time comes. Um, and so for me, if, if that estate is starting to get more and more like that, A, make sure you have a will always. Make sure you understand what's going on with your estate. Make sure you understand in life your financial plans and, and how are they maybe left because retirements are handled in death as well. Same thing with your portfolios, where the tax is going to come into play. Talk with the CPA, like long-term um, growth tax, uh, uh, long-term taxes in terms of capital gains, etc. My email is matthew.erickson at nm.com, and so we spell that as Matthew, M as in Mary, A T T H E W dot Erickson, which is E R I C K S O N at nnnancyamazonmary.com. Very good. Um, as far as Knowledgeable Aging, you can go to our website, knowledgeableaging.com, see all our upcoming and archived webinars, you, uh, YouTube as well. Go into YouTube, type in Knowledgeable Aging. We encourage you to subscribe. We update that a couple times per month. If podcasts are your thing, you can find us on Apple Tunes, Spotify, etc. Till next time, I'm your host, Jason Kotar. This is Knowledgeable Aging. Mm -hmm.